0: last time on flail forward uh so we're going to be talking about no shut uh, up (laughs) Rob. okay i
1: can do this no if anything they're more important in the role-playing aspect because a lot of these games just don't cover this stuff like it's something that a good gm will do but
2: i i i will take that a little bit further and add some nuance to it in saying that or the amount of fleshing out npcs need is directly correlated to how much impact they will have on the pcs story and now welcome back for the second part of our discussion of
0: npcs
3: quickly i just want to say car i don't really think has said anything different than what we said just his growth from non or like from the very basic goes to a complete pc generated or pc style generated character otherwise i think that the steps he suggests are the same (laughs) as the steps that fred suggests or my myself it's like start simple motivations a few notes as car put it uh and then build from there
0: yeah that's kind of the the power the play to find out like thing that i follow a lot in general even though that's a
4: specific yeah.
0: part about the apocalypse thing but it's not it, it's not it's
4: not, it's something they codify didn't they? it's something yeah i'm well, sorry it is it, definitely not it's something you can apply to most games honestly pretty much anything yeah, yeah. I, I, every I game the,
1: yeah. i think the end goal maximums like when a, you have a fully completed npc is different like the end goal is different but the path to get to there is basically the same up until the last few steps.
4: Uh, should we are we starting to record again? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've just been I've just been figuring
0: with what Jonathan said we can continue on.
4: Okay, let's let's move on.
3: <laughs> Good job.
1: Good job. Great job breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> we,
4: we, broke the we didn't wall. even have an up. We break the fourth wall more than Deadpool. Come on, let's let's be real here. Is huh. that possible? Yes.
1: Like I'm because pretty sure. Like, like I'm pretty sure documentaries <laughs> where they're directly talking to the audience don't break the fourth wall as much as Deadpool.
5: Because <laughs> t- he also breaks the meta fourth wall, which is weird. Yeah. Anyway, there's that new Deadpool. Movie coming out. <laughs> I know. I'm very excited. Um, yeah. I, be good.
3: And they're yeah. not sponsoring us. No, I, I yeah, mean nobody like, is. Ryan
0: Reynolds, yeah. if you want
5: to sponsor, like nobody would sponsor <laughs> this. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: oh, I don't might sponsor us. That's like 16 walls. Yeah. Um, he sponsors by hmm. cut to the chase. Yeah, I don't. Think yeah, exactly. He's
1: gonna
2: sponsor <laughs> that
1: was us. have a, to be. We have to be funny first instead of just somebody that you can laugh at.
4: (laughs) We occasionally do jokes, sometimes.
1: (laughs) This entire stream is a joke.
4: (laughs) It is. All right, anyway, I'm going to somehow herd
0: you cats back on topic. How dare Um, you. Okay, actually, getting back on topic. So uh, we've, uh, as, as with most of these things that I bring up, we've touched on this before and that's a constant thing i'm saying but um the one of the things that i i wrote down that i think it's important that we kind of discuss is how npcs um interact with pcs uh and not, i'm not talking about like just talking to them but like how do they affect them within the system or within the mechanics uh like, uh, then there's a lot, you know, f- between stuff like, oh, they will to hit and take your HP away. That is an NPC interacting with a PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and there's a lot of different ways to approach that. Like, I think Carr said s- something about, like, um, an NPC's, like, charisma role or social role, whatever, cannot affect the actions of a PC. Oh, that, that was, was me. Kat. That was
4: that <laughs> <But, laughs> was somebody but no it was mostly, I, it, it was, was, mostly it
0: was not me speech. okay it must have been Rob then sorry um, I tend to get things mixed up but okay Rob said no. that um, and I, I think that that's I mean I don't I think that that's a general assumption that is made I don't know if that's no
5: necessary. it's not even an assumption I'm saying some games say that specifically Mm-mm. there are yeah. there are a few games I, I'm uh, and one, they're right
2: too because that their right to because that would be curtailing the player's agency.
5: Well, yeah, in a sense. I mean, a lot of other things curtail players' agency too. But, um, but the 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 point I think they're trying to make is that you can't force the players to role play in a particular way. Um, but then they don't give an alternative for making the players do something, when a, when a, when they should reasonably do something, even if the players are being um what incalcitrant so if the if the character the player is playing should act in a particular way and a player is refusing to um what 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 uh what tools does the game give the npc to actually resolve that i have not seen a game where like you
0: have npcs specifically correcting um I guess I'll call it like wrong PC action. Right. Um, it never happens.
2: No, I, no, I'm, it,
1: it it does. It's not very. Well, cool.
2: I it does. Yeah. This is when the GM speaks through the piece through the NPC. Yeah, I
0: i It's yes. not a codified thing, though. No, that's not. That's the thing I'm talking about. Like the only thing I can think of off the top of my head um, that does that is. Like, or sort of does that, is in Monster Hearts, um, if a NPC has a string on you, they can be like, here, have this string, and do this thing I want you to do. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not exactly what Rob is talking about, but it's the closest thing I can think of to, like, an NPC acting to make a PC act in a certain way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's there's some games... That's something any character could do to any other character.
0: In Monster Hearts? Yes. Yes, that's true, but it's still like... And, but, and the thing is also, um, there are specific ways in which NPCs can interact with PCs, and that is laid out as, here is one of the few ways that NPCs can actually impact and change the actions of PCs. Because in the general Powered by the Apocalypse model, it's all based on player PC action rather than any NPC action
5: right well the entire re- the entire environment and world and setting in those books is generally reactive like the, mm-hmm. the players do a thing and then the gm and by proxy the world or the npcs reacts um but uh where was i going with that
1: usually this isn't reactive. heavily codified but you can generally assume that if the pcs go through the town and basically wreck the place the town guard is generally not going to be okay with it, or the police, or the military, or whoever happens to be like mm-hmm. you know the standard defensive forces the for the town. Yeah, mm-hmm. the authorities are not going to put up with this crap. Yeah, they it will employ somebody to get rid of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, I I lied. I can think of another one off the top of my head. With the uh, this is related to what Cat was, saying. and again, this one's a bit of a stretch, but it's the heat mechanic from Blades in the Dark. Oh yeah. Which is, you know, um, if That's... your char- if your players or your char- player characters do stuff that is um draws attention, if they kill and break stuff, they get more heat and thus the NPCs and the world reinforces them and kind of makes them no, you can't just kill people or act very Outwardly, you have there's, to be a sneaky.
5: There's a little bit of that's more of an environmental thing that happens as an ancillary effect of the players doing what players do. Yes. Um, as I as I said, it's a bit of a stretch. But what's what well, well, what what what's not a stretch is the negative faction ratings you can get in Blaze in the Dark. And mm-hmm. those things are really impactful because like pissing off a high level uh, uh, faction in Blaze of the Dark is suicide. Because they can come at you with resources you can't deal with. Um, yeah, and, same and, thing yeah.
1: in like Shadowrun. Uh, there's a couple right. of White Wolf games that also have things like, uh, for example, the... Uh, Shadowrun the Prom- doesn't... Ca- the, Pr- the Prometheans, in mm. particular. Uh, there's a quite a few mechanics for how they affect NPCs and yeah. will cause the NPCs to directly um, attack or try to get rid of them. Right, oh, but that's yeah, the whole the, point of
5: Promethean, though. Yeah, like the whole the point is that they're, 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 they're townspeople. Yeah, the townspeople are marshaling the pitches and the torches, or pitchforks and torches. Um, yeah. But in in the the difference in, in Blades in the Dark is that the um fuck, I lost my train of thought again. God damn it! Uh, so you were talking about the faction ratings? Yeah, the faction ratings. Um,
1: and something about Shadowrun. Oh, Shadowrun, yes
5: in Shadowrun oh, versus yeah. Blades in the Dark, it, the Shadowrun thing is not codified. It's an expected result when you do a thing, but nowhere in the rules does it say you've gained, you've pissed off the corporation this much, and then you can expect this level of response. There's it, That's all left up to the GM and left relatively vague. Um, it's sort of like, well, how much was the thing you stole worth? That's how much they'll they're willing to spend to get it back, but probably not more than that. That's like the—I don't know if that's even even called out anywhere, but that's the general, I think, assumption that goes on there. But in Blades in the Dark, it's like really codified. Like, how much did you piss off this particular enemy, or not? Or not even enemy—they might be your friends at this point. How much did you piss them off? Like, and the game gives you rules and a framework to build the fiction on, rather than forcing you to come up with that framework and then also put the fiction on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, Blades of the Dark is always quite good. Um. It's, just, it's just good at scaffolding details. It's mm-hmm. really yeah, good at that.
1: That is actually a very good point that this is kind of what I was getting at at the start. There's not very many games that go into the detail of how to do this. Like it's, It sounds almost obvious, the Blades in the Dark one, Mm-hmm. But it's like it's something that isn't even covered in uh Shadowrun, like you mentioned. It's just assumed the GM will know how to do that. I think it's
0: it's mentioned. Like, yeah, corporations should have a reaction to player action, but there's no real codifying or even much guidance beyond they should do something. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I th- I think one of the issues there is that. Some of the uh, corporations in Shadowrun, in particular, are a little bit unique. Like one of them's owned by a dragon, and if you get a dragon's attention, he's gonna screw with you for the end of your days, basically. Like he doesn't even really need a reason at that point, other than he finds it entertaining.
0: Uh, actually, well, getting back on topic a little bit, I think one of the like one of the main differences that I've seen between uh, games and how NPCs act is the thing we brought up earlier, which is, can they directly affect PCs? You know, in, in D&D, an NPC can roll to attack and do some damage and thus directly affect a PC, whereas in uh, Apocalypse World, Urban Shadows, it's much harder for them to do that because,
1: because
0: it's all based on PC action, um, and then NPC reaction. One of the things I like about Monster Arts and its NPCs is they give them those few points of interaction, like strings and advantage, are really the only times where NPCs can affect PCs in any meaningful way, but that immediately says something about the power of the NPCs and directs how you play them and how they are. And I think, that, I mean, at least for that game, that works really well. Um, with the like, with the strings, you have this immediate thing of the only way an NPC can really affect a PC is by leveraging social power them rather than attacking them.
4: I just want to bring up something that's minor, but uh, *Urban Shadows* does actually kind of have that in that there's a move that PCs have called "refuse to honor a debt," which implies that. They actually have to roll something to avoid honoring a debt if it if an NPC calls it in.
0: But again, that um, streamlines that NPC action to be they have to have a debt on you to you know make yes. you do something or to put you in a bad position.
1: Yes, mm-hmm.
4: it's just similar to the strings thing, although it is handled differently. Yeah, it is. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Fine, I I just felt it was semi-relevant. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's definitely
0: relevant. um I mean, yeah, that's a good example. um But uh, and I think that that's a a common thing that we've kind of been dancing around a little bit is like how much power should NPCs have within the world? um Like uh, you know, the uh, Monster Hearts way is to say that. NPCs have very little power with the world um, because they're NPCs. You know, they're they're not important to the story like the player characters are. So they're much easier to kill, and they have much less uh, pull on the story than the PCs do.
1: I think it but, also goes in in tiers. Like not all NPCs are created equal. Like mm, certainly, like the generic pauper on the street usually doesn't have nearly as much weight to what's going on as like the king or queen or whatever like nobility in general has a lot more weight but you look at like the majority in the nobility like it say you got something like french nobility where there was like hundreds of them most of them are no more important than the pauper on the street like they just don't matter to the story they don't have Really, any way, for the most part.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I and I'm. There definitely is a a tier list or dynamic within NPC power levels. You know, obviously, you're gonna have your uh, whatever. To use a very basic example for this, you have your kobolds to your, you know, twentieth level necromancers or dragons or whatever. Um, and
1: i I don't think it's even just power level i i think it's also agency in general like you can have somebody who's very powerful but they're not going to change the world like you don't want to piss them off you don't want to fight them but they're not going to change anything around them whereas you can have somebody who's relatively not very strong they don't have like a lot of military prowess. They don't have like an army backing them up, but they have leverage.
2: I hmm. think I think it comes down to a combination of three things. First, um, the NPCs place in the world, which accommodates you know pauper versus king thing that Cat was talking about. The NPCs nature. And their relationship to the party
0: hmm. okay I I see that as being, yeah those are both three fairly good metrics for
1: judging NPCs um, I I think
0: one of the other things that's um, that's like, Comes into that is as as Kat talked about agency, which is more specifically like agency within the plot. Um, You know, if you have a a game that like if you're playing a game that's mostly based on combat, um, if you have an NPC who doesn't have a lot of combat prowess, um, even though they might be might have prowess in other places, they don't have as much agency within plot because that plot is based on combat Um, same thing with you know plots based on or games or plots or whatever based on social encounters or social maneuvering Um, you know characters who are really good at fighting don't have as much agency within plot because they're so good at fighting but they're not particularly good at talking and maneuvering their way socially or politically
4: I mean they can get some benefit by threatening you intimidation works no matter what if you're in the proper situation just yeah sure
1: one thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit is car's mention of the uh their relation to the to the pcs in a lot of cases that's often directly important but If they're setting up something that affects the setting itself directly, but does not directly affect the player characters, but only on an indirect manner, then they can still have like a lot of power. Like if somebody starts a war, then even if the player characters are not directly part of that war, the war is going to affect everything that goes on around them.
3: You're referring to something that's used, uh, dungeon world and apocalypse world called fronts where the world is moving regardless of the player's actions. Uh, maybe in spite of, or maybe because, but it's always moving. Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. and apocalypse world and dungeon world and probably a bunch of other faction turns Uh, Factions. Uh, They're all ways of showing that the world happens, even though the players, you know, might know about it but aren't interacting with it.
0: Yeah, the um, uh, Urban Shadows, uh, if we're talking about games in that vein, does that well because it's so um, politically and faction based. Like often the result of a role is that some faction does something. Be, you know, does something independent of the characters. They move and take some place of power. Or they make a deal behind their back. Yeah. Um, and, and uh one of the other things that I'm going to keep talking because I brought it up at the start of talking about NPC rules. Um, one of the things they say is give everyone a life. You know, and specifically when you're talking about monster. Art, most of the NPCs are probably like fellow high school students. Um, and, but they're all, you know, they all have that kind of life going on in the background. You know, they've, they've got their own issues and their own problems. And although you're focusing on the PCs, those NPCs come up once in a while and go like, oh, I have this problem. Um, it may not be incredibly consequential to the plot, but that whole they have lives and are moving outside of the PC's action is part of what flushes them out makes them human i guess for a yeah that that
2: encompasses that encompasses a couple of things said earlier which are that npcs need motivations mm-hmm. and that everyone is the protagonist of their own story <laughs> yeah great. like if they if an npc doesn't have a life if they're just there to serve some purpose to the thread of the PCs moving through the world. Sometimes you that's all you need and sometimes it's not. And again, yeah. that comes back to how relevant is the NPC to what the PCs are doing. Hmm.
0: Well, I, I think um, all NPCs are plot devices, but you, you have to include those little life details, those little personifying yeah. things to make them seem like they're not. You know, to make the world seem believable.
2: Um, well, I don't think you want to cover up when an NPC is a device, but you want to distract from it.
1: Well,
0: yeah, I don't know. I I guess, like, for me, it's all NPCs are in some way a plot device, and so you're always covering. Um, I mean, I that probably is related to the way in which I run and think about games. But at the you know, even a minor NPC is still a plot device. They still have something to say, something to convey, something that they mean, even if that is shrouded in the. They have a life and they are doing other things outside of the pc's
2: actions. Mhm. Oh, I have I have a top uh, a thing to consider. Okay. Um is it proper and if so when to consider npcs as transient pcs that belong to the gm? I guess we could also get into the NPC versus GMPC thing here.
0: So, you mean as in um, characters who have as much agency within the world as PCs, but act, you know, but don't necessarily act totally to the PC's whim or act as a plot, just a plot mover for the PCs?
2: not necessarily as much as the PCs, but closer to that than a piece of disposable cardboard.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. Does anyone
2: have an answer for that?
3: I'm not opposed to a game that decides to put that type of character in it. Um, But I think that if it's not specifically made for it, then it can lead to problems. Um, Players understand the dynamic between... uh, And the GM also. GM understands and the players understand the dynamic between them. And when that line gets crossed, I think that it, it can be difficult to navigate.
2: Well, I guess the prime example of this would be the the long running big bad of the campaign. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay,
3: so that's not quite what I was then I'm I'm more okay with that than what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that yeah, you're probably thinking the GM's pet. <laughs> y-
3: yes, that stays with the I think that's fine. Um at some point the GM has to be able to let go of that.
4: Yeah. Uh, uh this is only tangentially related, but uh, if the if the PCs are mercenaries, there should definitely be other mercenaries who take contracts that they didn't. Hmm. This well,
1: that that is actually one of the things I do like uh, about Shadowrun is that you will find yourself in conflict with other shadowrunners. It's like, well, you were hired to steal something, while well, somebody was hired to protect it. And vice versa. You get hired to protect something. Somebody else got hired to steal it. (laughs) So,
2: And oh look those other Netrunners are the protagonists of their own story. Do you see how this keeps coming up?
1: (laughs) Sometimes. Most of the time not. My point was still that most of the characters don't matter. Not all of them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i i think that's a good thing to do with like with a big bad as you called it or uh you know an overarching enemy um like what's that game fellowship has actual pretty decent rules for that it has a um the gm position is called the overlord and they um they're not you know they blur the line between being an actual character and being the um, GM arbiter but they still can take specific actions as the overlord and build the overlord as a character within the rules to a certain extent um, and that's the only time I've ever seen like specific rules for like you have a big overarching villain but I I think yeah generally like having someone who also, has agency within the plot and is you know someone important to the world especially if they are antagonistic or at the very least acting against um the pc's general wishes not necessarily being antagonistic to them is um i mean it's not nece- it's not a bad thing to have in the plot it, the problem comes with the thing that Carr brought up at kind of the end of his question, which was um, GMPCs or NPCs that are really just there for the GM to like play around with, or to show off, um, you know, someone who travels with the party or is just a cool villain that, you know, the GM gets really attached to and then doesn't really allow the party to exercise their own agency which is a big
1: problem there there is kind of a way around that i'm hoping like i'm testing it out i'm not sure if it's actually going to work as well as i hope it does but one of the issues with that is that if the gm wants to play the game as a pc then their only real option normally is to add a pc to the game basically which Hmm. They tend to well because they have well favoritism for themselves, unfortunately. Whether they want it or not, there is a little bit there. They have to consciously. Go of, the, yeah. Yeah, they end
2: up mitigaming that NPC.
1: Yeah, which is a problem. So um one of the solutions that I've actually tried to implement is giving them something to get around that problem so in Sayorsa, the character actually like the gm actually has a character that they play as and that is the uh party's guardian angel so basically that uh character is specifically a looking out for them to try to keep them from getting into too much trouble and over their heads but at the same time they're also the one that is guiding the bad things to happen in the first place. Like there is an actual character that is manually creating challenges, uh, basically requisitioning and ordering monsters for them to fight things for uh, stuff to go wrong for them Mm. as well. So that way the GM actually feels like I have a direct influence here. And it's not just I am playing God, but I am actually playing a character that is directly doing this. And every once in a while, I will actually directly interact with the players. So I'm hoping that this fills that need so they don't feel the need to make their own player character.
0: So kind of like the dragons from Ryotama, which is what I'm more familiar
1: with. I don't recognize that one. I might have to look into it.
0: Oh, it's a it's an interesting what? game. It's a mostly a travel thing. It's like uh, some people say. It's what do they say? Hi Hayao Miyazaki's Oregon Trail. Mm. That <laughs> that's, makes that's, that's seem... kind of accurate.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a,
0: it's a it's an interesting game. But anyway, um, I think Carr was
2: wanting to say something. Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> so Cat was was. So it sounds like the, the design intent be to, behind that Overlord character is certainly obviously Deus Ex Machina. Is it? Is there more to it than that?
0: Um. Oh. Uh. Date. Oh no, it's not Deus Ex. I mean, you still have it's a it's a part by the Power game. No, You're I'm still... talking
2: about in cat's game. In oh, Kat's
0: sorry. Game, which, you you oh, called oh, it an Overlord, and I was PC. like, oh. I think that's, that's what she called it.
1: No, I called it a, like, called a Guardian Angel. Guardian Angel. Yeah. right, that's
4: what confused me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's like has it the overlord. It it's not just Deus Ex Machina, but that does take part of the role, like part of it is that yes, it is there is some Deus Ex Machina taking place there. Like, um, if things if it's like, okay, uh, they need a challenge to fight, okay we'll just create one. Uh basically this character would essentially be like talking to uh Say so and Druids and be like, okay, I need like I need a mountain and I need a bunch of monsters on it. And they just get that they basically place in like an order form more or less and get it handed to them. <laughs> but hmm. uh, same thing like if the player characters die, this character can revive them. There may be costs associated with that. Actually, they're almost guaranteed will. So there's definitely...
2: It does sound sound like it's mostly giving the GM an, an agent of Deus Ex Machina in the game world.
1: Yeah. like The idea is that they do have some control over what's happening but it's actually as a personification they can actually step into the shoes of that character and actually play the character directly rather than just this stuff just magically happens it's like no it it's actually being choreographed Hmm. Hmm. yeah
5: i I did something like that in a forgotten realms game i ran once where i had um uh the the I, I like put myself in as a director of the players as a as a ancient worm gold dragon that had removed himself from the time stream and thus couldn't affect things anymore but could see everything and he would he, i can't remember how i did it i mean it was like some sort of projection thing you project thoughts into the into the players and could and was had agents elsewhere in the world that could no we didn't have agents they had like spirits or something like that i can't remember what i did it was a while ago but it was basically a gmp a gmpc that didn't interact with the the adventures at all but only with the players in terms of pushing them down the narrative or um giving them help when requested but not when i i not when i wanted to insert myself but when the players asked for something
2: yeah, I've done that too. Except that I was actually playing Elminster, acting behind the scenes.
5: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's kind of what Elminster's almost designed to do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that campaign started with 200 levels of harpers in a cave, and the the PCs walked in at first level.
5: No. Okay.
2: They had been summoned to this meeting. That's how the campaign started.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's not like it's a very rare idea, like even just no. ours. everybody's thought of something similar It's just mm-hmm. it hasn't really been quantified very often so like actually put directly into the rules and i'm gonna try it out i i don't know if it'll work but i'm hoping it'll help take away the feeling of desire for the gm to make their pet npc that just follows along and plays as a player character so that they, because they already have a player character basically it's just like, they're not doing the not same g- thing
2: it's not going to stop them from making another PC alongside mm-hmm. of it.
1: it it might it, it, may, like, it doesn't prevent them,
2: them from-
4: yeah exactly if they're the type who's really conditioned to do that kind of thing then it probably won't actually stop them <laughs> i don't point.
1: know like i i'm gonna see like hopefully the idea is that it scratches the itch so that they don't feel the desire for it in the first place but yeah i but figure still... there's still going to be some people that'll do it anyway but hmm. maybe so is it the then. game
2: is the game then playable without such a thing
1: yeah do you, do you can play to... it you can play it without it and just have it as an assumed thing that's going on in the background. Like, you don't directly have to do it that way, but it makes logical sense for it to happen the way the setting's set up, and it just makes it easier to do, like, a lot of stuff that way. Yes. So and this is...
3: What... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. I just, one thing to consider when making that Guardian Age, um... One of the desires of every player, I think, is challenge. And so if you put the Garden Angel there and it isn't challenged, then that player, GM, may not feel satisfied uh, because mm-hmm. they are not being challenged as a, a PC. Um, something uh-huh. to consider if you can throw that in or adjust or how that thing is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I'd That's
1: go actually... For it one of the concepts is um the guardian angel can also be uh, persuaded that there's whether to ally themselves with their own um party and such for example like uh one of the things that i have for a plot line that's kind of going on in the background is that there's basically two major factions that are required to actually run the world like one's basically the angelic sort that's basically setting up everything that's going on like we're setting up the challenges we know we're trying to test the people and so on and so forth and then you have like the druid faction that's basically the the ones who actually go forth and um set up everything running in the background they're basically like the stagehands In a sense, right? So you have Mm -hmm. the director and the stagehands, and then the players are basically the actual actors. What's going on is that the stagehands and the director are kind of getting a bit picky over who is really in charge, kind of thing. And they're eventually going to wind up in a war, more or less. And that's mostly going to be added in later on but it's hinted at that it can be added in very easily by the GM so you can basically have this war brewing and then it's like okay this was not supposed to happen so now what does your guardian angel do like who do they side with do they side with like basically their boss do they side with the other side and basically defect do they join with sides with uh the actual player characters themselves stuff like that can actually make the GM actually feel like they are making decisions for their player character in the game. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, uh this is slightly <clears throat> this is unrelated to the main topic related to this. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Um you're still talking about NPCs. But uh, one of the things I, I wanted to say is I think the reason that GMs often want to like have a player character or have that presence in the world is because of the way in which kind of responsibility and uh, how the you know narrative and creative like weight is placed on. Is very, uh, is not well weighted and it's almost all placed or a lot of it is usually placed upon GM. And so I think that that's a reaction to something like that, um, because you have all this weight on you and because you have to, you have such a different power and you have such a different, uh, job, I guess, that you do as a player. Um, in the standard setup. So I, to me, that's the reason that a lot of people will jump to like, oh, I want to have an, a GM PC that I can play instead of just being an arbiter. Because playing the game, like being a PC in the game is set up as fun. And being a GM is set up as work. Um,
1: that's part of it. But I, I think it's actually a lot of it is just that GM character, like, all of the GM stuff tends to be transitory. Like, it's very ephemeral. Like, you were saying, uh, well, I guess we were all saying earlier, the um, NPCs don't grow attached to them. Like, you should use them like a stolen car kind of thing. Mm
4: -hmm. It's
1: like, well, the PCs don't do that. They try to grow attached to their character unless it's like, a really really high um uh death rate game in which case like the characters basically players don't grow attached to their characters either they use them like stolen cars because what happens if they die oh i just roll up a new one but the issue there i think may very well be that the gm wants some permanency they want something to grow attached to over time and the closest thing they ever get to that is usually the big, bad boss that is destined to die. Mm-hmm. At the end of the campaign arc, their character's gonna die. So, okay. having let's, something that's a little more permanent might help.
2: Okay, let's let's go run around the room and confess whether uh, we've actually had a GMPC in any of our games. I don't think I've ever done it.
3: Uh, no, I don't think so either. No. I've TPK'd a party so that I didn't have to, so
1: I could be a player. <laughs>
5: Oh no. <laughs> That's great.
4: Wow. That's <laughs> fucked
5: up, dude.
1: Jesus. <laughs> um, hey. um, Sorry. Um,
5: okay. Uh, no. no, I don't think I've ever done a GMPC in the in the pejorative sense. I mean I've I've had like mouthpiece characters um that recur. But not ones well, those are that expected.
4: I'm the, talking about specifically the, in their Yeah, not sense.
5: ones in the party. No.
4: And of course, I've never done it.
5: Just,
2: you know, whatever. <laughs> I, no, I've, I, I've played in a game where the GM did that, but I've never done it myself.
1: No, I, I think I actually did, like, when I was just starting out. Like, I think it was the first time I was GMing. I had one character that was basically like that but i didn't have them actually do very much it was more of like an escort quest i just wanted to have something there that i could use um... but i didn't make much use of it but it was still technically like a gm pet character more or less i think i haven't done it since though
2: but you knew that pet status was gonna end you knew it was temporary
1: yeah yeah yeah, that was, that was destined to end eventually. Yeah.
4: What uh, time when I was a PC, we accidentally forced our GM, our new GM, like they were new to GMing, and we accidentally we ruined their plans and accidentally got GM PCs due to how things <laughs> shook out.
1: <laughs> you, know, you ruined the GM's plans. Isn't that like? The purpose of the yes, I characters.
4: know. It, but like yeah. we basically, they wanted us to fight with these people, and instead we, just, and instead they felt forced to actually ally themselves. So and the and since they were standing up, they obviously they, you know, helped. <laughs> but <laughs> they did. that they didn't like we didn't use it too much, and it was mostly us. It's just I felt I it was just a really weird situation we ended up in you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, to
1: be fair in the campaign that I'm currently playing in um yeah, I was we were supposed to have a recurring enemy instead um apparently that's my character's boyfriend now. <laughs> nice. That, that that was not how that was supposed to go, but that's how it wound up.
4: <laughs> like, see, when You're that happens in urban shadows, that's fine. Like, that's that's ex- the expected outcome. <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: And it's your kobold character's boyfriend, right? Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just dra- wanted to
2: remind everybody how strange that actually
5: was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what a dragon. What are, you,
5: what are you saying? Like, kobolds are, like, not, not sexual creatures, man? That's fucked up.
1: It's a dragonborn, but the point was... It, she oh, was... that's
5: even worse.
1: No, she was pissed at him at first because he like Wait, attacked her. You're,
5: you're Kobold's female.
1: Yeah. She the was Dragon she was...
5: The Dragonborn's male. Yep. And they're they're together.
1: Yeah. This in really in feels like
5: one of the subplots of
2: <laughs> I hope they serve beer in hell. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. This wasn't <laughs> this was not intentional. This was not even my idea. So
0: um. uh on that thread I have I have one thing to admit. Uh well, okay, this is not something I did, but it's something I do. Um I there's a, a document that is sitting in my Google Drive. Uh and I think I'm not gonna check, but I think at this point, or not it's it's been this for a while, but it's about 20 pages long. Um and two of the characters in a game I was running got together, and that is all of their
2: out-of-role-playing of their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and uh hey whatever you got to do to make the world go round, man <laughs> it's pretty great and it's really oh I, I
0: was happy about it so <laughs> yeah.
3: oh uh, you're writing your own fanfic? i didn't write any of it my players wrote it they were wrote- oh, i misunderstood i thought you were saying you were writing it as a <laughs> way to have background for the the players
0: no, that, that I wrote other. I wrote other things for that game. That game was that game was weird. Um, but this this was a game where we spent an, an almost an entire session looking at dresses to pick out for a ball. Like that was what that game devolved.
2: <laughs> oh, so you played Wheel of Time for a session? <laughs>
5: no. <laughs> um. Oh.
4: Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up, but it's true. <laughs> and you somehow increase the appeal of Wheel of Time for me. So good job. Wow, Okay.
0: Um. All right. Well, I think i I, I know that this is partly my fault, but I think now that we're kind of going off on such a long tangent,
4: let's probably let's wrap scrape. it up. Let's scrape the bottom of the barrel a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> we can... we didn't talk about one of the things I wanted to talk about, but that's because mm. it is. Oh no! I, I was good. just.
0: I was just going to say, if anyone has anything they want to bring up, let's do it now. Go, Kevlar. Okay. So,
4: it's a weird thing that it's it's more of a new or thing, but in some systems I've encountered, they encourage player characters to like develop... Well, they encourage players to develop like NPCs that are related to their character, and I wanted to have some discussion about thoughts on good and bad things about it, and ways to do it, if anybody has any thoughts.
5: Hmm. uh i think it's generally a good thing yeah um yeah i i did so like in in ashes like i i I take a page out of the blaze of the dark playbook and and have um based upon where what what the pcs um what they've decided on their starting location because the pcs get a chance to sort of decide that a little bit by by choosing a, a language they're they're their language and that sort of places them in a geographical location and then the based on that location the gm can has the choice of several like different clusters of factions that sort of start as the um the organizations that the pcs are going to run into first or that are they're already entangled with in some way and it gives a uh, uh it gives both the players and the gm a um, Basket of ready-made um, NPCs and conflicts to uh, attach to their characters so because the characters at this point already have motivations and they already have um, affiliations with nations or professions or um, uh, what do I say na- na- nationality, professions, um, upbringings um they already have those things and when the gm drops these factions in now you're giving something for those things to bounce off of and so you're 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 setting up the the conflicts and allies and stuff like that and 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 it, yeah, i think it's really important to do that in the game because mm-hmm. otherwise you're just starting with a blank slate and yeah
0: yeah giving giving people like npc relations or anchors mm-hmm. in the world i think is a a very important thing to do uh or else you you'll often end up with that kind of murder hobo thing where they yeah, have where no... the pieces aren't
5: attached to anybody and don't don't face any consequences for doing wrong things it's you know the consequences we face in real life are generally the rejection of our peers and mm-hmm. you can't you don't have those consequences in a game where the PCs mm-hmm. don't have peers or don't have anybody they care about i mean you could set it up they don't have to be peers. but you could set it up in such a way that these these factions could help the players in some way or like they give them additional power however you want to uh whatever level you want to put the incentives at you you still need an incentive there because that's just how games work like <laughs> games <Yeah>. are incentives.
1: <laughs> i think you have to attach the players to the world somehow now there's yeah. a couple of different ways to go about doing it like the way I'm setting it up, um, one of the major things is the players are basically given a stronghold disp- fairly early on in the game. Like, they basically get here is a piece of land, it's attached to like a town, there are villagers there. You'll start getting like um, ambassadors from various factions and such. Um, you can actually hire, uh, say, tradesmiths and such. Like that can do stuff or creating your gear for you or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, things like this that attach you to the world because it's like, it's not just that. Oh, this kingdom's getting attacked. How terrible! I guess we're supposed to do something about it because they're offering to pay us. It's like no, they attacked my base. Fuck you, dragon. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, getting the players invested is is. You know, make let them feel proprietary about stuff. You know, don't 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 uh don't be the GM that that owns the world. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions and, I and often, is precious about it. That's mm-hmm.
0: it, yeah. One of the questions I often ask is like when I'm when I'm starting a campaign, I often like my players. Okay, do you have any family? You know, because family is a great way to get people. Um, to get leverage on people and to create interesting storylines and do things like that. And so um, my, I have two questions that I often ask, which is, one, do you have any family, you know, that's in this area or that, you know, is alive? Mm-hmm. And I encourage them to say yes, at least say, oh, I have a sister who lives nearby or whatever. Um, and then my second question is, can I fuck with them? Um, and uh, that's an important question because for some people they're like, I have this family and I would like to leave them primarily out of the story. Like I don't want them in danger. And there's an important like kind of lines and veils set up there. Is can I do harm to your family? Like because those are really their NPC. Um, and I'm uh, my my question there is then, can I take control of these NPCs and use them in a way that creates conflict for right. your character? Most people will say yes, but I've occasionally had players who will say, no, I'd rather you don't. And that's fine. I mean, it means I have to go through different avenues to get to them and to do things, but
1: hmm.
0: uh, it's, it, that's something I feel is important when we're talking about this. Like, That's if interesting. It, if it's a PC's NPC, especially with someone like Family, it might be important to like establish a line where it's like you know can i kidnap or can i kill this person and right. i think most people are fine with that some people
5: will say no i'd rather they don't get involved right so th- th- that that there's an interesting um well it's sort of tangential to that but it, in, in Gerps, when you took when you uh so that was an option in, in gURPS and it's, uh, it still is it's not was an option. It's an option in GURPS for you to take a dependent, um, and this is family member. Well, by the, the strict rules, it's family member or somebody you t- you look after that is built with uh, fewer points than you have, generally. And there's like a a number of like if they're they're the closer they are to your your point total, like the less the the disadvantage is worth. So it's it's a disadvantage, and then. It's the, the level of disadvantage is based on two things. One, how helpless the person is. Um, like what's what level of points are they built with? The uh, the fewer points is, is worth more because they're less capable. And um, the other is how frequently they come up. And so, which is random. And this is something that always weirded me out about this particular system in GURPS. Um, even when I was playing it pretty much exclusively. Is that at the start of the session the gm is supposed to roll for everybody's uh dependence and everybody's there's a couple of things that they roll. a couple of disadvantages that that uh are, are random whether they come up in the story or not and um but the thing is they're random whether they come up in the story or not and it yeah, always felt clunky it's it was it's always been really clunky Every time we played it, it was really fucking clunky because, like, okay, now I got to work this in. I got to shoehorn, crowbar, whatever, jam this into the story when, like, they're nowhere near, like, geographically in the fiction of the world, they're nowhere near where this person was the last time we saw them. Um, and they're helpless. So, how, how'd they get here? Like, okay, I got to come up with this whole, like, rigmarole because the dice told me so. And the reason I have to adhere to the dice. What the dice tell me and i don't have to, i can't use gm fiat on it and this is the really weird part is because the player got a certain amount of points for this level of role mm-hmm. and so if i fudge it in either direction i'm either refunding the player's points or making this um cost more than it's worth to them and so e- there's a there's, well, a, GM, either, or, well, there's a, a gm disincentive your... there's a there's a fairness incentive at play there and that incentive to fairness actually gets in the way of, of the narrative and it,
1: how i would actually have dealt with that is just every time that you roll for them to show up it's like rather than them having to show up in that exact situation right, right now you could bank it it's like okay you right add right. this to the next time that it shows up and is like the next time that it's reasonable for this to show up right. okay you've got three roles where they showed up so they're going to show up for three sessions straight kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right,
5: right,
2: that, The right. way Absolutely. I would handle it is that whatever the point value is that says how often this NPC should appear mm-hmm. should be an indicator to the GM. Mm-hmm. For when yeah. to exercise that fiat of, oh, this person just appeared. Right, right. Yeah, the
0: the rolling on it is really Not, weird. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. That makes that turns a mechanic into a narrative mandate, which is often going to just conflict with what's. Yeah, yeah
5: going it's on. yeah, it's 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 uh, unilateral versus, um, I mean, the democracy of the table, as it were. You know. Yeah,
1: I think that's a pretty good example of what not to do with NPCs. Oh yeah,
5: I think it's a great example of what not to do. It's it, it was just such a it was such such a um glaring example to me. Like that I remember it even though I haven't played gURPS in years, years, decades yeah. even. Well,
2: the the core concept is good. The way they execute it the way they executed it ruined it.
5: Yeah. Yeah, the core yeah. concept of like getting to stick NPCs into the world as a player and get points back for it, great. But the way the execution of um it's random and now now it gets and now it's a, a mandatory inclusion into the narrative even if it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, not great. Uh but to, to come
2: around back around to the question, um I think Allowing players to make up NPCs that are attendant to their or ancillary to their PCs is a good idea for all the reasons that have already been stated. And also because it gives the GM a way to distribute creative load to the players. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wonder, in doing so, it makes the play it gives a, it gives players a reason to feel invested. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. The one yeah. thing I would add as a caveat is give the players the option to do it, don't force them to do it. When you force them to do something like that, you're not really giving gaming hardly any of the benefits from it because now it's actually turning into a chore or something that they don't want to do. If you give it them a benefit for it, like for example the point uh, bonus that was described in GURPS, or uh, if you just say, um, here, make this and you'll be rewarded for it or something like that, you'll be able to make use of this character as a contact, that's fine. But if you're just forcing them to do it at gunpoint, like, you have to do this, that basically kills all of the advantages you would have gotten with it.
0: Nah, force players to do it. Fuck that. Make them pay for it, too. You
5: would burn <laughs> the elbows. Um, also, also, when they blow rolls, hit their hands with a hammer.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, my, my issue... I, I was not going to say... But as long as we're on the topic, my issue with the thing that Rob said where you um, you get points back for creating an NPC Mm -hmm. um, is that you then essentially are being paid for creating narrative spotlight for yourself and putting things into the world. And that, I mean, that just seems silly.
5: Why? Well, I also think that 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 you're you're asking, sorry, let me, let me just finish this one thought you're asking i think this might be what you were about to say you're asking the players to take some of the gm's creative load um and they should be compensated for that like there, there's you're, you're asking them to put in extra effort when you do that and mm, i'm I fine just do with... it. well sh- yeah right. they should but so what like who gives a shit should like incentivize them we're playing games here it's a game so Put the align the incentives with what you want to happen, and it, stop complaining. Like it, well, if you don't align the I incentives was, properly, and the players don't act like you think they should, that's your fault.
2: What I was going to say is that consider that this is in GURPS called a disadvantage, and it's called dependent. Yep. So you're, it's not really, and and the other character has to be. Fewer points than the PC is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so it's meant for your decrepit grandmother or your right. kid sister. It's not meant for your mentor father.
5: No, that would or be, your you witch know, Yeah, it's
1: like yeah. this would That's be an advantage.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's this this like princess point being point. kidnapped. Mm-hmm.
2: No, this is specifically for NPCs that are that are ostensibly a burden to the PC in some way. Right. Or a responsibility. That's why it gets points back.
0: Hmm. Well anyway, um yeah, I I agree with the general um allowing or allowing PCs to create NPCs um, is a great tool. And in fact I generally think that PCs should have to do that, um, <laughs> uh, and I. But that's a that's a whole other discussion. I'm not
3: gonna get into that. Uh, if, can I, so we're I'll, done, right? Quickly, one comment about that. <laughs> um, when you say things like "you have to create this," it, it comes across as a burden. But when you say things like "when Blade can says," this? no, not Ken. When Blade says. You get one it. ally and one foe. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like you're giving, getting given something. Uh, it amounts ah. to the same thing. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah and I'm. Phrasing is a big deal. Yeah. No, yeah, phrasing is important.
0: But <clears throat> as Kat said, um, I think we're going to pretty much call it a night. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Uh, good night, listeners. And good, uh, good night, watchers. Thank you for making it this far. Thank you for making this far. If anyone did, um, I know it was a long slug. I know we're
4: boring and awful, but really <laughs> boring and awful. You have see for slug. yourself, Fred. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> what? Do, what? Do I am you think this was very good. I am idea? a delight. You
1: should probably see like a psychologist or something.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you probably needed
1: after listening to us for. I
0: can make a, I can make some good recommendations for a shrink. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, Have a good night, and uh, we'll see you again. That's it for now. And remember, if a strange robed man offers you a quest in an eerie inn, take it. You'll need the XP. Have a good week.